0: Hey everyone, this is David. Welcome back behind the velvet rope. Let's just get right into it today. We have a lot to get to because we are joined by the one, the only, hot off, I don't even know what to say about this season, Miss Candace Dillard Bassett. Hi.
1: Hello. As I say hello, I'm here.
0: We have just so much. It's good to see you, too. What have you been up to? What are you up to? Tell me everything.
1: Oh, my God. Well, um, I'm like everybody, I'm trying to stay sane. I'm trying to, you know, maintain some level of normalcy. Like, I try to eat at normal times. I try to, like, check. I was just thinking earlier today, like, I feel like I'm losing cognitive skills. Like, you forget how to talk right and how to just be a human around people because you're we've just been sequestered for so long for for the entire year so that's been a struggle you know as it has been I'm sure for everybody I'm in school I'm getting my master's in business administration at Howard University uh, my my alma mater and so we just finished my accounting class and that almost took me out like like Accounting can go to hell. I know we need it for life, but accounting can go to hell. Like, I I hated it. So we just finished the first term yesterday. So I had two glasses of wine to celebrate that. And you know, I'm, I'm also celebrating the end of another era. That would be season five of The Real Housewives of Potomac. Drop the mic, we're done. I can't tell you how happy I am to be done with it, you know? I'm sure that the fans are sad. I'm not, I have to say.
0: I, okay, there's so much to unpack right there. First of all, I majored in accounting. I'm a CPA. <gasps> I used to, so anytime you need help with accounting. So where have you been? I don't know.
1: Like, where have you been? Okay, well, we have econ next term, so I will, I'm gonna call this you crying. Okay? I'm like a
0: closet smart person. Before this, I used to practice corporate <laughs> tax law back in like another lifetime.
1: That is crazy.
0: Did you, so wh- how did you just start? Because I, I, I know you're getting your MBA from Howard. Like, when did you decide to do that? Like, just after all the drama from, and we're going to get into the season, you just said, I need to oh complicate my yeah. life more and I think I need an MBA now. Yeah.
1: Well, no, I am crazy in that way where if I feel like I'm not doing enough, if I'm doing 27 things, like the, like the person inside of me says, no, 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 you need to add... 15 more things to the 27 you're already doing. But for my master's, i always wanted to obtain an advanced degree. I grew up in a household where my parents were physicians. They had advanced degrees. Education was always very important to me growing up, and it was instilled in me very early. So I always knew I used to want to be a doctor. And wow. then when I discovered that math and science were not really my friends, I had to sort of veer off and take a different path. And so I, I majored in journalism. At Howard for my undergraduate degree. And I thought I was gonna be Frederica Whitfield and like anchor the weekend news on CNN. Um, I loved writing. I loved writing copy. I loved producing. I loved being in front of the camera, behind the camera. I loved all of it. And then I kind of veered off into politics and then pageantry, and now I'm a household. It's like my, it's, it's a mess. It's all a mess. But education was always at the foundation of that. So I always kind of felt this pressure. To have to have another another degree because my parents are doctors, you know, and my parents' friends are all PhDs and you know, four or five master's degrees. That's just what I grew up around. So for me, success is equated to education. And it was just a matter of finding the degree that I wanted to get and that I would enjoy. And as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, growing up around business it makes sense that I should want to pour more into myself and supplement what I already know about business with an MBA, so boom, here she is crying over accounting homework on her MBA program.
0: But I mean, in a way, because I'm just like you, what is your sign, like what's your?
1: Oh, I'm, I'm a Sag, my birthday is on the 14th of this month.
0: Wow, because I need yes. to do 800 things at once too, so I get it. But what it is your sign? Gemini.
1: Oh my God, you all are crazy. Are oh,
0: nuts. We're fun though. We're a lot of fun.
1: You are a lot of fun. I will say that I dated a Gemini, and he was a lot of fun, but he was a freaking nut. The, the evil twin.
0: We just we we got a lot going on in our minds. Yes. But like you, I need to do nine thousand things. things at once, and I I have a hard time saying no. Like I could find yes. the like glimmer in like I'm like. Uh, 90% of this sounds awful. And then wait, I, yeah. I know how to make this work and why not yeah. add this?
1: Why not? Yeah. And then but you also, do
0: it and you're like, I wish I wish I said why no. Why am I doing this? Yeah.
1: But also, I'll add to that too. I do feel like our society has created this culture of I got to hustle. I got to be on my grind at all times. If I'm not dying because I'm like juggling 20 balls, that didn't sound right, but juggling you know, 27 things then then you're you're failing at life and i feel like that school of thought is not healthy and i think that we need to start to embrace you know a school of thought that says it's okay to take a break it's okay to go on vacation it's okay to focus all of your energy into one thing and be great at that one thing and i'm talking i'm preaching to myself here and to you too i think but i think that's that's like a a part of this, this unhealthy like the married to the grind culture that is not always healthy.
0: Well, I live in New York City, so oh it's- Oh my God. It's even, yeah. I don't even know. But yeah. I mean, did it at least help, you know, because we're home with COVID,
1: like you kind of timed yeah. your MBA right, right? So funny story. I had been putting off um, applying for the MBA because I was going to have to retake the GRE my scores are like really, really old. I think it's five or seven years they last and you have to retake it. And then the test was different and I was dreading having to study for the GRE. It's like the bane of my existence is standardized tests. Um, So that was holding me up. So then this is just a note to everybody as well. Like universities right now are like hurting for money because they had to refund a lot of these students, these undergraduate students, who were sent home at the beginning of COVID, so a lot of universities are waiving the um, standardized tests. They're waiving oh, wow. fees just to entice people to come in and and give them essentially give them give you their money. Um, so they I it, it was it wasn't an easy process because you still had to do all of the chasing down the recommendation letters and writing the the um, the mission statement or writing your your declaration statement whatever it's called your declaration statement is for why you want to attend this university um like chasing down the the administrators to get my um my uh transcripts all like yeah all that stuff and then just mentally preparing i took um like a statistics course just to prepare my mind for um an mba so there's a lot of work that goes into it but it is this is the time to go back and get your degree. And then my friend Calvin, who's doing the course with me, we decided to do it together. He said to me, Candace, this is the best time you're never going to be in a position like you are in right now where you're at home, you have to be at home. This is the best time to get your degree. You're never going to have a time like this ever again. God willing. I don't don't ever want to be in the situation again, right. But no, this was the best time. So I had to kind of hustle um, at the end of the summer to, to get all my paperwork together to meet the de- I barely made the deadline. And thank God, for whatever reason, they let me in. And so now I'm getting this degree.
0: And no standardized test. So that's, but I have to ask, because you mentioned letters of recommendation. Did you get, ask anyone on the cast to write you a, since everyone likes to write letters these days,
1: apparently. Oh, hell.
0: Right. See, now I'm bringing the shade early on, and I don't usually bring shade in interviews. I must feel comfortable with
1: you. Bringing the shade. Seriously. Oh, my God. No, I would... No shade. I, The qualifications don't quite measure up for what I needed in this group to write a recommendation letter for me. No, I, I had pretty awesome recommendation letters. I had one of my former bosses at the White House write me a letter. I had... Um, my favorite professor who is now like in this works in the superintendent's office in uh, the state of Georgia, I'm from Georgia, from the state of Georgia, he wrote my letter, one of my other letters. And my third one was a former, a former employer from somewhere from, I worked at the W, my former employer at the W. So two of my, my letters were pretty, they were pretty good.
0: Well, if you ever need help with accounting, you know who to call.
1: I absolutely will I will I need your number I will call you for sure because I promise you
0: I was crying
1: I was crying
0: speaking of Georgia did you love growing up in Atlanta
1: I loved I love the south I am I'm a southern girl at heart through and through I always will be um my family is from the south my my mom and my dad are both from Alabama um, I was born in Biloxi, Mississippi. My dad was in the Air Force. We actually moved up here to, the, to the, the DC, Maryland, Virginia area for a while. And then we settled in Georgia where most of my family, a lot of my family is. So I, I literally am a Georgia peach, like, in my soul. I'm also a Washingtonian. I've lived in DC now for over 15 years. I came here to go to Howard undergrad and I just, I never left. But I, like, in my heart, I'm a Southern girl. I'm a Southern belle with a little, a little spice, a little ginger on top. But no, I, I absolutely loved my childhood and growing up in the South. There's just something so special about Southern hospitality and the air in Georgia when it's not pollen season, of course. And just the people. It's just, it's, it's a wonderful place to grow up and raise a family.
0: Do you watch Southern Charm on Bravo?
1: I, I watch... Yeah. I watched New Orleans. New Orleans. I've never really gotten into the original until I did see that Southern Charm is adding some color to the scene, which I was very excited about. And so one of the girls, Vanita Aspen, I think is her name. She interviewed me as a part of this Bravo Instagram thing. And she's so sweet, beautiful woman, beautiful girl. She just posted that she was on with, um, Megan Pickney, who is a former Miss South Carolina USA. I don't know her personally, but I know her. I'm a pageant girl knows another pageant girl. And it was just a, a smattering, like a sprinkle of color. And I was this, like,
0: oh. They're mixing I it up. I love
1: they're it. Mi- it's love it's it. good. And they have a There's a, a Persian. new Persian, the yes. Persian girl. Yes. I, so I am, my interest is peaked now where it was not really before, if I'm being honest.
0: It's a good season, but I never saw the New Orleans. But I get so many DMs from people that listen to the show that tell me you need to have all the cast members of New Orleans on. So people are oh, requesting
1: them. They so when we did Giselle's um, trip to New Orleans last season, they we invited the cast to one of uh, to Giselle's father, um, Mr. Graves, his birthday party, and a lot of the cast came they amazing. They're hilarious. They're, be- they're all gorgeous. They're just like, just drops of chocolate and just gorgeousness. And they're, they're super fun. Like they're amazing, super fun people.
0: I think you're giving me another Bravo show to watch, which is...
1: Oh yeah. No, it's, it's entertaining. It's really entertaining. And like the drama with, um, what's her name? Reagan and her ex-husband. And then she gets, she gets pregnant she like leaves her husband, the, the redheaded guy, and then she meets this new guy and then she's pregnant in like five minutes and then she's getting married and the husband, the ex-husband is running down the street in the middle of the night and- it's, I'm
0: gonna have to watch it. Yeah, it's good. What about being a pageant girl? Did you, how did you get into that? Did you love being a pageant girl?
1: I, pageantry is like my sport. I started competing when I was like five years old. My mom put me my first pageant at five years old. Um, and I just never gave it up. I had to end up like begging her to allow me to keep competing because it's a lot of work on her to have to like, take me to find the dress and the interview outfit and like the the optional of the talent outfit. And then she's getting me dressed backstage. She's doing my makeup and my hair. So it was, and then practicing questions, like all of that stuff. She was like my pageant mom with all of that. And she, it wasn't her favorite thing, but I loved it. It pageantry has taught me so much about how to survive on a reality show full of nutty women, Um, how to be scrappy and very savvy and, you know, how to speak in front of a crowd or speak, you know, in an interview such as this. Like it just, it teaches you so many life skills when you really put your all into it. I have a pageant consulting firm where I actually help women find their brand and figure out how to compete and where best to compete. And we teach them stage presence and on stage question, public speaking, we work with them on their bios, just finding who they are. So it's that's my 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 sport. I love meet some pageantry.
0: Wow. Was the competitiveness, I mean, and all of that of pageantry? I mean, is that true? Am I making that backstory up, or is it really like what you think?
1: So it's like anything, there's always a little bit of sensationalism attached to it. So like toddlers and tiaras on the TLC yeah. show. Um there is some truth to that. I personally never experienced anyone like, you know, cutting up my dress or cutting the top off my lipstick or, you know, being really mean to me. Some of my best friends are my pageant sisters. We call they they're my pageant sisters. I call them my pageant sisters. And, you know, it's it's such a broad and vast network of people that you meet like When I need legal legal advice, when I need a a doctor, when I need, you know, a designer, whatever you need, pageant women make up every facet of every career that you could ever think of. And they just, they're, they're, my friends are amazing women. I have heard stories, however, I will say of, you know, people being mean or, you know, misplacing a shoe. So that does happen. It never happened to me though. I, the pageant gods, were smiling on me. So I didn't didn't have that experience.
0: See, that's good. So you came to DC to go to Howard and then you fell in love and stayed in the area. So where did you meet
1: Chris? So I met Chris at a restaurant. So I was working. So in 2013, I was reigning as Miss United States. And you really couldn't have like a full-time job because you're traveling all the time but I wanted to have just a little extra money. So I started working um, at a restaurant in DC that ended up turning into more of a full-time position. So I ended up working as the assistant marketing and finance director at this, at this restaurant. And Chris was a manager there. And we literally met just, he came in his first day or his first week and he introduced himself to me. Hey, I'm the new manager. And I was like, oh, hey, okay, whatever. And then we ended up working at the, there were two locations. We ended up working at the same location together. And it's really like small office. If you've ever been in a restaurant, you know, the offices in a restaurant are like this big. Yeah. And we would, we just started talking as friends. He was divorced. He had kids. And I always said, I will never marry a man who is divorced. I'll never marry a man that has kids. I will never date. I don't want to date a man like that. That's just, it's just counterproductive for me. So I ended up telling him this because he kind of was flirting with me and I showed him a picture of my kitchen and he was like, oh, when can I come cook in your kitchen? And I was like, Skirt! nope, no nope, thank you. And we, so from then on, we kind of, I think that that eased any like thoughts of him thinking that he would get to be anything more than friends. So we were just friends for years, like three or four years we were just friends. We left that restaurant, kept in touch, would hang out in like groups And then we worked together again at the W, and he was like flirting with me a little bit. And I launched my pageant consulting firm while I was working there, and he took me out to celebrate, and he takes me to this really nice restaurant. And I'm thinking, this is not something that a friend does. This is more than a friend. And from that day to this day, we have been together. Like we we left the restaurant, went to two other bars, fell asleep in my car talking, and then he came over the next night, and the next night, and the next night, and the next night, and we just.
0: Before we continue this conversation, I just want to say that 2020 has certainly been a year. And at the beginning of quarantine, there was a lot getting in the way of my happiness and achieving my goals. And I turned to BetterHelp, which is online professional counseling. And it really helped me not only achieve happiness during this time, but really achieve my goals. Behind the Velvet Rope went from two times a week to four times a week. And I wrote a book, the Behind the Velvet Rope book. So for anyone that feels that things are getting in the way of their happiness and achieving their goals, I strongly recommend BetterHelp. You don't even have to leave your house. It is online professional counseling. And what I love about it is you can start communicating with them within 24 hours of signing up. Anyone that knows me knows that if you don't get back to me, that is a huge pet peeve of mine. These counselors get back to you in a very timely manner and you're really matched with a counselor that fits your needs if you get a counselor that you don't like you can just request another counselor everything of course is confidential they deal with a variety of issues depression stress anxiety sleep we're all having trouble sleeping during this trauma anger family conflicts self-esteem grief lgbtqia issues And I have to say, it is actually more affordable than traditional online counseling, and financial aid is available for anyone that cannot afford it. So they're growing so rapidly, and so many people are turning to BetterHelp for help that they're looking for additional counselors in all 50 states. Go to BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Velvet Rope. BetterHELP.com slash velvet rope, and you get 10% off your first month. Join over 1 million people today taking charge of their mental health. You're not alone. If you need help, this is a great solution. BetterHELP.com slash velvet rope, and get 10% off your first month.
1: We, he never left.
0: Wow. Yeah. So that's, that all worked out, right?
1: It did, yeah, I would say so. I still like him.
0: That You know what? That's good, because yeah. I think there's a lot of married people that don't necessarily like each other. Listen, so
1: And quarantine, honey, will reveal those truths. Right? Yeah, a lot of people learned about their spouses in a way they maybe didn't think they would. A lot, And there was a lot of divorce, I feel like. Totally. That happened in quarantine. Like, people just maybe were thinking about it, and they pulled the trigger because COVID just, like, exacerbated everything
0: totally I think either that or you're like wow I married the right person it's one of those or
1: so that's so funny right? so we actually we did a panel with three other couples and that was one of the questions what's the biggest lesson you've learned in quarantine as a married couple and we both said that quarantine has taught us that we married the right person like I'm if I wasn't sure before I'm I'm 100 sure now that Chris is my person and I'm his person and we that that was something that became very clear to us thanks that's to quarantine. Good. That's yeah.
0: so that's good.
1: Yeah, I like him.
0: Well, that's you know now before <laughs> we get it, I got lots of questions about acting and singing and your businesses. You you do you, you do it all, but let's. A lot. Let's, before we get there to all these exciting yeah. things that you're doing, let's just take a trip down the RHOP lane for a second. But, yeah. Well, here's yeah. my question. So before you're even involved in this, like, were you a fan? You don't have to say yes. Like, are you, were you a fan of like reality TV? Like, did you watch Bravo? Like, are you just a reality TV fan? Oh, or
1: yeah. No, of course. I think you, you, you're, you'd be remiss if you did not at least, study it a little bit before you you know you dive into this ocean of craziness that is reality tv but yes i was a i've always loved reality tv starting i think with the real world i love the real world mm-hmm. um i've watched at, atlanta housewives was the first show i watched because i'm from atlanta so it's like oh my god who are these women on this show where are they eating who do they know like you wanted to know all those things and then obviously when Potomac started one of my first questions was where was I when they was casting for this because like you're, I'm, I'm cute and funny and entertaining and it's funny because I said to we were watching the show in bed and I was like I should be on the show like that should just be a thing and literally then two years later they were reaching out to me so I kind of spoke that into existence which you know I regretted many times this year but overall, it's, it's been a crazy experience. But yeah, reality TV has always kind of been a part of my, my TV repertoire.
0: Did you know any of the Atlanta women? Like, did you watch and say, oh, like, my, like I don't know if your parents still live there or anything like that. Or no, you just, yeah. you knew like the places, but you didn't know any of them.
1: You no, so them. we, yes, I, I knew all the places um, through several degrees of separation. Um, a friend of my mom's was friends with Lisa Wu. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: and then Candy, when she came on, Candy actually briefly mentored a girl group that I was in when I was in high school. Um, and I, and uh, one of my best friends, co-workers friend is friends with Phaedra. So you would hear like, and when you like know people who know people who know reality stars, you just hear a lot of gossip. It's like, oh, my so-and-so knows this person and they told me that they cheat on their husbands on Saturdays. Like, so it's like just just gossip that you hear. But it's, right. I never, I didn't personally know any of the Atlanta women.
0: And now that you're on a show, you know just how valid all that gossip is and how you know, much you should or should not pay attention to it.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So you
0: literally were watching Potomac just and we're like, wh- you, you watched the first two seasons before you were reached out to.
1: Yeah. And I, so originally I was watching because number one, I was really excited that, you know, finally we're getting another black cast because for the longest time, Atlanta was the resident, you know, cast of, of black women with every other cast being predominantly white. Yeah. So it was exciting to see, oh my God, look, finally, Bravo is giving us another cast of women of color who will, you know, hopefully show that Black women are not monolithic, that we have a lot to offer, that we're diverse, that we, you know, we're funny and we're interesting and that we have lives that are just as worthy of, you know, this platform as anybody else. So I watched originally to support the show because I wanted it to do well be- for those reasons. And then I think after their first season, it was like a lot of mixed reviews, and a lot of my friends would say like, "Oh, you know, it's boring. I don't really like it. It's not my thing." And I'm like, "No, we got to give it a chance. This show has to do well. I want a black show on Bravo to do well." And it got better. And then you know, season three, surprise.
0: Yes. Well, season three is when it all changed. Like, so they just, someone just reached out to you. Like, it wasn't like you didn't know any of the cast members. Like, you didn't know anyone on it, per se.
1: So I knew of Ashley Darby. And so Ashley ended up being the person who brought me on as her friend because we had the pageant connection. But no, as far as the way that they find you, they are always casting. Yeah, The network is always casting and um, looking for interesting women. It always helps when people come from within the circle because it, it's a more natural, more organic um, in. So, for example, I knew Wendy for a short time before she was brought onto the show. So, it made sense for her to come in as my friend. And I'm so glad that she did. She had, I think, an amazing debut season. Yes. It's amazing to see uh, another woman of color who is dark skinned, um, who is also so intelligent, so smart she, with her four degrees and she's proud of it. I I think she just, she she shows us yet another side of black women, women of color, of all hues on this platform that you don't normally get to see. So I'm very excited for her entrance.
0: I think she had a great season too. I yeah. mean, I don't know who would think she, like I, she's been, I don't know how anyone could think she hasn't. Like
1: she's been, you know. Yeah, no, she 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 did her job. She she came in, she did what she needed to do. But you know, there's always, like you said, you could be you know sitting in your room, as I like to say, counting pennies, and somebody's gonna find something wrong and complain
0: about yes. something that you're
1: doing. So you know, but
0: or you say something and one little word is off, and someone's like,
1: Yeah, oh my god,
0: you know, you should be more upset about this or what? I'm like, Yeah, what? Yeah. So having watched the show for two years and then being part of it in the third season, were you like, did any, was there any reservations you had? Like having watched it, was Chris on board? Was your mother on board? Was everyone on board? Or were you all like, this is going to be great, but I'm not so 100% sure? Well,
1: so no, my, my mom was like, let's go, let's do this. What are we wearing? She was all into it. She was all for it chris had reservations um you know as oftentimes husbands are kind of like uh what is this so chris and i kind of sat down together and decided that yes we're going to do this we're going to embark on this journey together but one of the things that we promised ourselves was that we would stay connected and stay uh, remain a unit and it really has been sort of us against the world in this experience which i think is the, the best way And we said we were going to use this platform to advance our careers and to do the things we've always wanted to do. And we've both really been able to do that. Chris with his um, Try Hungry, which is the catering company that he's able to work with now. He does cooking classes and catering classes online, obviously now because of COVID. And there are other things in the works that I can't talk about yet. Um, They're happening with Chris and his culinary prowess. And then of course with me and my music that I'm able to, I'm working on music, I've been able to connect with some of the most amazing producers and songwriters um, and labels because of my platform on this show. My BET movie, The Christmas Lottery, that's coming out this Saturday on BET at 8 p.m. These are all things that I've always wanted to do. Um, My Netflix um, appearance on Family Reunion, that should be coming out next year with Tia Mowry and Loretta Divine. Um, all of these things are because of the show. And that's, that's been the blessing is that I've been able to really use it to express my, my talent.
0: cream. I drink one of these shakes and it totally satisfies my hunger. first order that's 310nutrition.com and use code velvet have you okay well I, I was gonna ask you later but i'll ask you have you always wanted to do acting as well i mean is that always something you wanted to kind of pursue
1: yeah i've been acting for years i think i have my imdb is up and, and running um so you can check that out if you wanted to see some of the smaller things that i've done um, but it's, I've always been an artist at heart. I've always loved theater and film. I've, I've been taking acting classes for several years. I used to take the mega bus to New York every Tuesday. I would leave work, get on the bus, get to New York. It lets you off at 27th and 7th. And then I would walk to Ripley Greer and take the class from 9 to 11 then get back on the bus wow. across from the Javits Center and ride back to DC and get there at like 4am and go to work um, later that day. So, and I did that for two or three years. Wow. Um, so it's, it's always been what I knew I wanted to do. And I've always acted just, you know, it's it's a, it's a, it's a slow and steady climb, you know, very, very, very often, not very often do you just sort of become catapulted into you know, Scandal or, you know, one of the, the great big shows. But that is, that's where I am headed. I'm claiming that. Um, and that's what I've, one of the things I've always wanted to do.
0: Did you watch Scandal? I was obsessed with Scandal. Are you kidding me? Possibly I used to like one of my... the best shows ever to exist in the world. Uh,
1: so I'll, I will tell you, and I'm kind of embarrassed about this now, but I don't like endings. I still have not watched the finale. Of scandal because I don't want it to be over. I've not watched the finale of um, How to Get Away with Murder. I've not watched, I kind of gave up on Gray's. So I love Shonda Rhimes. I love yes, her. She's I phenomenal. Was, she's incredible. But I was so mad at her when she killed McDreamy. And then when Sandra O oh left, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't. I can't. So I had to like put Gray's to the side but i can't watch the finale of scandal because then it'll it'll be over and i was obsessed with that show i loved that show
0: can i just tell you and i'm not just saying this, so i watched the end of how to get away with murder i have not watched the end of scandal either i swear to god i cannot
1: oh my god see yeah
0: I, I can't i can't like i have it i mean i could watch i just can't like the last like 3 or 4 episodes i'm like i have
1: to stop now like i, I don't want right. to deal with this it just- in my mind, it has to just, like, they have to live in purgatory, like, in my mind right here. I can't handle it being over. Yeah, no, that's so funny.
0: <laughs> Olivia Pope so funny. is one of the best characters in TV history.
1: In life. Phenomenal. In life. She's legendary. She will be referenced for years to come. I I truly believe it. I, and the cast is still so close. Yeah, They always, like, pop in on each other. I'm, like, I'm kind of hoping that. I don't know. There'll be a reprise at some point. You know, I, sh- I know Shonda is very strict about like her characters having their beginning, their middle, and their end. And like once they're gone, the, the characters resolved, they're you know whatever, and they've moved on. But I would hope that like you know, if the public cries enough and we scream enough, that maybe we could have like a little reprise or spin off. You know, yeah.
0: Because the whole cast was like phenomenal. It was just.
1: It- some of the and then just the way that they you had to be a cut from a certain cloth to be a part of that cast because they all had that sort of cadence where they spoke really fast and like this and and if you're not like this you can't jump and it's like it was just it was a, a cult but it was like it was a club and you had to know how to conduct yourself in this club to be a part of this cast and they all just had it in the bag they nailed it like and I it's really, hard I dialogue quote. yes it, it's a lot of right that. yeah i still quote darby Stanfield when she's like we're gonna follow you over a cliff over a cliff like it's it's just it's such a good show it's it
0: was fun. literally grays though i have to say it still how to get away with murder the last season kind of lost me i mean i stayed that's what i've
1: heard i got like
0: a little confused and i'm like yeah. i was also watching it like kind of half-assed. I mean, yeah. so it kind of lost me, but Grey's yeah. is still good.
1: Is it, I feel betrayed because I watched Grey's from the very, Grey's was like, me I feel too. like my generation's ER. Like, yeah. had, like you know, our parents had ER, Grey's was our thing. And you become so attached to these characters because Shonda's such a great storyteller. And then it's like people are dying and they're leaving. And then, you know, people are being fired for, you know, saying crazy stuff. And it just which I could handle, but you had your core. Your core was still there. So but then it's like, Shonda, you gonna take McDreamy from me? I just I gotta go. I have to leave. I'm packing my bags. I have to get off of this this cam- this campus. I can't do this anymore.
0: I get it. But that's what I love is like, you never, like someone could really be gone. Like same with no. murder, like real characters yes. are like, wait, you just killed Wes and how to get away with murder. Like he's the like, star of the whole show.
1: How do you, yeah, no, it's, but I, I get attached. So you can't do that to me. Like, that's why I could never watch. Um, uh, what's the show where everybody dies on HBO Game of Thrones.
0: Oh yeah, I, I never got into it. It's not my type. Me of, neither.
1: No. But people would say like people love main it. Main characters would just be axed and you just never knew who was going to go. I can't I can't engage with shows like that. Like I feel like I'm being betrayed by the actors, by everyone. I like I need my main characters to be there.
0: Same here, but scandal, yeah. same thing. No ending yeah. for me. Eventually, so funny. it's on the list, but I don't, right. I mean, I don't know what I'm waiting right. for. We're home during COVID, but not yet. Right. Not yet. Yeah.
1: No, I, I don't feel it yet. Maybe one day, but not, Olivia not Pope
0: is alive and well in my mind. The show is still mine, going on.
1: And in mine. Yes. Right. Yeah.
0: So, okay. So, this season of Real Housewives of the Potomac. So, look, we all uh-huh. watched this on tv yeah you know but being there and going through this like when this was taking place I mean you know you were on for two seasons you had moments like we all did well let me ask you this were you shocked like when you season three season four were on the show like right away you know you watched it was it what you expected or were you like no these women really are actually batshit crazy and this is real drama way worse than I thought prior to this season prior to this season
1: yeah yeah no when I first joined it was probably what I expected um you know and again because I was a steward of reality tv I had watched it I knew the game I knew what I was walking into for the most part um so I I thought I was as prepared as you can be you cannot prepare for everything because you never know how you're going to react in a situation until you are in that situation. That's just, that's the case for, and that's my philosophy for anything in life. Like you don't know until you're actually in it. So right. a lot of, you know, certain things that happened, like I wasn't expecting to get on that sprinter on the way to Nemecolin and get into that spat with Charisse with the geriatric granny comet. I wasn't expecting that, but in the moment, and I think that's what, was entertaining about it. And what I think is entertaining about my caricature on the show is that I'm always going to have something ready. My mouth is always on fire. It's always hot. It's always lit. So, you know, that I wasn't prepared for that moment at all. And I was actually kind of like shaking as I was yelling at at Sharice. And like, I think Giselle and Robin were coming at me at one moment. It was, there was a lot going on and I, I, I wasn't expecting it, but I also knew that it wasn't going to be, you know, peaches and cream because that's not what, we, what people want to see. Right. Um. But no, I, I think that I, I had a pretty as, as good a grip as I could on my first two seasons. Yeah,
0: That's good. And so then we get to this season. <clears throat> so here's a, one question. So this event which has taken place yeah not to make <clears throat> not to make you relive it because i'm sure that you have relived it 800 times but More than you can count you know like so we're all watching it on tv yes. yes you know and that's one thing but like when this was actually happening i mean it's not, nothing to do with the show but like when this was happening were you just like shocked i mean it happened quickly i would assume
1: yeah well yes and no it it happened quickly but when I was down on the table it felt like I was down there for like 10 minutes um and then the, the when I came up and Eric our, our, our co-executive producer is like holding me like his child that all went fast and I'm like what is going on like this is crazy um and I was really angry like you like you psychotic person and you hear me screaming like you what you know ratchet ass whatever I was saying um that all kind of went really fast and then they were begging me to get in the car and I'm like why why do I why am I asked being asked to leave and I felt like I was being reprimanded not knowing that the reason that I was being begged to get into this car was because the producer that was with her was on the mic like she's on the loose and she's that's when you see her running around the, the winery like a zoo animal it's like so they they didn't know what was coming and you can't control a person who's out of control like that and it's not in any of their job descriptions to break up physical altercations our producers so they were, you know, concerned about my safety, which is why they were asking me to get in the car. But at the time I was like, oh, why do I have to leave? I didn't it." But you know.
0: Like that's what was going through your mind. Like, cause you didn't really know. You're like, why am I being reprimanded? I didn't do anything.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's, and you kind of see some of this. We talked about this at the reunion that is starting um, next week. Yes. Cue dramatic music. Um, Three parts, but- right? three parts. Yes, yes. Um, No, I, I said this at the reunion that, you know, there's a formula for any show. And there's a formula for reality television shows. And there are formulas within that for housewife shows and, you know, shows that are about family and shows that are about, you know, whatever about makeovers. There's a formula. And these shows that that we are on are about relationships and you know the ebbs and flows of those relationships and you watch for the ebbing and the flowing and the ebbing and then the flowing and if we were all just you know braiding each each other's hair and like feeding each other oatmeal and smiling and laughing it's like okay i'm bored this is boring so you watch for the contention as much as you watch for, you know, the fashions and, you know, the friendships and the, and how it all kind of like meld together. And me arguing with her was an age old thing that you had seen on every show from OC all the way to, um, Salt Salt Lake city. Right. Um, That was not out of the ordinary. Um, What was out of the ordinary was what happened when one person realized they could not handle the verbal stylings of Candace's arguing. And that's not my problem or my business. You need to go take that up with whomever you pray to and leave me out of it and leave me alone and stop lying. Lying how so? Lying about everything like lying about all of it. And I don't want to get into all of that, but I mean, you just watching the show, you've seen the severe discrepancies in what has been said via blogs and her and her team and then what was aired and bra- I, Bravo doesn't owe me anything to, to um, hide anything or make me look better than I need to look, um, and they haven't. They showed everything as it happened, and there were so many discrepancies and lies and, you know, half-truths and mistruths from the very beginning to this very day.
0: Is there anything about, like, that scene that you feel, like,
1: wasn't shown by Bravo? Oh, my God what's funny and this is this is unprecedented for Bravo they essentially showed the raw footage I was expecting them to chop it up and you know cut things and move things around because I did have the raw footage that was subpoenaed when I filed my charges so I did get to I didn't actually watch it for several months but when I did watch it it was you know long and of course they cut out like they cut out like she was walking around looking for me for a long time, so they shortened that. But <clears throat> no, the the chronology of it, every they literally just pushed play and just let it ride. There was no doctoring at all, really, from what what I saw. You know, things happened after I left. I can't speak. Well, yes, I can because I saw those on camera on the raw footage too. All of that was as it happened.
0: When she was walking around looking for you on the raw footage that wasn't edited, what was that like? An hour, like approximately?
1: Um, maybe like five to seven minutes.
0: Wow. Yeah. So that was cut down.
1: Just opening doors, like not saying anything, just walking, looking in the dark, like like wow. they do in the zoo
0: did you feel like as this was happening or right, like, did you feel <clears throat> unsafe or did you feel like producers broke it up as quick as they reacted? Or did you feel, you know, sometimes when things are happening, you have a moment yeah. of like, you don't know what's going on. Like, yeah. you know, like you get punched in the face and you say, ow, like right. 20 minutes later, like, did yeah, you right. feel unsafe or was it like immediate? Everyone's jumping on everyone to break this up.
1: I, it all happened so fast, Um, but I remember very quickly feeling like there were 20 people on top of me. So I think that, you know, there was a quick reaction. And then when you see it, when you see it, it kind of looks like it was a little bit delayed to me, but I felt like in the, in in the moment as I'm there, it it felt like people were, you know, coming in to kind of pull us apart. Or pull her away um, quickly that's how it felt
0: so that's good, right I mean yeah, so you didn't really feel unsafe other than what was happening per se
1: well yeah I mean it's I feel like it's not it's not bravo's or truly's responsibility to you know keep us from being physically accosted like this is not WWE this is housewives, and no one expected someone who is you know employed and at work to lose it like that and fly off the handle so
0: yeah i mean certainly this isn't what anyone expects going to work producers because i mean the amount of times something like physical altercation has happened in reality tv yeah well especially on housewives it's few and far between
1: 100 percent yeah there's always a there's a line and i think a lot we've seen a lot of housewives push the envelope and like push the line. I've always used uh, Lisa Renna as an example when she cracks that glass on the table, don't you talk about my husband. That and of course, you know, um, I think Portia and Kenya kind of took it too far. Um, But you've seen a lot, Leanne, when she like pulls off her belt and and she's in went cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. So you've seen people, you know, push the line but never really cross it outside of um, Portia, who is has proven herself to be um, the sidekick of all. I guess Monique would be Portia's sidekick, and just the the two wild people defending each other, which is very cute. Um, but you you know the line when you have sense, and as I like to say, scruples. Um, and when you don't, when you when you don't, it shows. It shows how you were raised and who you really are.
0: And speaking of like sides and like Portia, like, so when all, you know, this happens, everyone talks about it before it happens, you know, it's pretty clear from watching it what happens. What about all of the online people who were like, you know, you baited her, you know, I mean, I'm not saying this, but what about
1: when all of that was happening?
0: I mean, there was was, some element
1: of that. Oh, there was a lot of that. That for me, it felt like that was, all of it that bombarded it 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 took over um that's the kind of stuff that can send people to the loony bin it can send you you know underneath a bottle of pills it can send you out it can take you out and it it almost took me out
0: and i mean i imagine it's hard because i mean even like we're all on social media i mean yeah Like, I imagine it's hard not to read all of that when you're going through it.
1: Well, I, you know, I try to be, you know, as honest and authentic as I can be. And I'm not, I'm never going to sit up here. Like, you know, I'm, I have no problem admitting to you that, yeah, I watched reality TV. Yes, I watched Potomac before I was on it. I watched Atlanta. Of course I did. I have no problem admitting that, yeah, I, you know, I've, I've been, I understand what like what it feels like to be in that place.
0: And then eventually you just started ignoring all those comments and moving on.
1: Well, yes, it, to this day, it's still difficult, but I've gotten a lot better. My, I think my skin has gotten a lot thicker. I thought I had thick skin. I, w- I, I didn't, I was wrong about that. Um, but no, yes, I think that over time, you either adjust, to it or it consumes you and i'm still here so it hasn't consumed me so you just you learn to adjust and and understand you know this psych. for me it's under it's understanding the psychology behind it and that most of these people are they don't know they know not what they do or what they say they're just spouting off and my issue is I always sort of put myself in everybody else's position. So I'm always quick to say, I would never do that. I would never say that. And I always use the example when before I was ever known for reality television and I'm watching like the Kardashians, I never felt entitled enough to get on my phone and tell Kim Kardashian what I thought about her. Like she, Kim does not care. You, you are, you are a blip on the map. You are a crumb. You know, in a haystack, to him. Why do you feel so entitled to let her know that you think that she is, you know, wearing clothes that are too tight, or you know, her hair is ugly, or that she's a whore, or whatever people say about her? Why? Like, who who do you think you are? And that's that's another thing about social media. It's created this another kind of culture that gives people access to people, and it makes them think they're entitled to bits and pieces of their lives that they're just, you're not entitled to this. And because I share my life with you, does not give you license to just think that you own every part of me and can comment on every part of me with with no reaction or no response.
0: I could not agree with you more. I have every, I don't understand it at all. I don't know, (laughs) never like you in a million trillion years, would I ever pick up my phone and think to say, you look disgusting last night on the show. How dare you wear, I don't understand what, well, like, and I mean, for so I would never do that, but I also, you know, I have all these guests on and yeah. people will then comment on my own thing, like, blah, 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 and I hate this person. And they go, and I'm like, well, okay. I mean, I'm still gonna have this person back on. Oh, right. I yes. don't agree with that. And why, I don't understand. Did you listen to the episode? Because it sounds like you did. Yeah, so I don't sense. understand it, like. I don't know. I I don't know if it's this weird like people want to be heard. I think they want you to respond. I think they They want to be heard.
1: Yeah, they do. That's that's what I've learned as well is that people... My husband is better at this than I am. He's really good about kind of when people say evil things to him, he'll be like, well, well, thanks. That's really nice. That's what I do. And people will respond back and be like, oh my God, he responded. I'm so sorry I didn't think you would ever see it it's like what and he turns them into fans I have not mastered that because you know I'm gonna be like you know suck a dick you are an asshole and like you know throw like three GRE words at them and then they get really offended and then they repost it, and then they bring seven trolls back with them and now they're all like (laughs) like trying to you know take me (laughs) out of here
0: and is Chris just like, just kill them with kindness?
1: For the most part. He has moments where he will also be like, you know, explicative, explicative, you blah, blah, blah. You bleep, 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 bleep. And we, you know, we're human. Everybody has those moments. And, you know, it's, you don't realize how intense it is until and unless you are in it. It really is crazy
0: was it harder like watching it back or it wasn't any worse than being in it or is it just like this happened the fallout and now you know have you been hearing about this for months before the show came back yeah. and now you have to get sent you know the weeklies and to watch it
1: before it comes out it was all incredibly difficult for me all of it like hearing about it before it all aired and you know all of the different versions of different stories and then you know, having the season or the trailer come out was really hard. Um, all the commentary, and then it's also—it's am big on energy, and I felt all of this just toxic energy coming from everywhere. It was—it was like in the air. It was—I was breathing it in. It was awful that it, i just i felt like there were so many eyeballs on me at all times like even in the shower i'm like god like can they see me in here like that's how, it, it that sounds crazy but that's how that's how it was for the, the entire literally I probably did not feel a weight lifted off of me until re- we shot the reunion. I think as I was walking off the set is when I really felt like I was able to leave everything on the set and and truly begin, you know, the the healing process of moving forward and ge- and getting the closure.
0: I was just gonna say closure because I mean you filmed this and you know now you have to promote it. Like, I mean, you yeah. have no choice, you work for Bravo and you're gonna have right. to talk about this. Yeah. So that's not an easy thing.
1: Cause no, I mean, I would
0: no. think like, there are probably things like you didn't see, like when you watched it back and you know, they show Monique in with a producer saying, let me free, I'm gonna kill her. Or she's been yeah. asking for this and yeah. all that. Like that, you must've just been like,
1: what? It was, I mean, the first time you see it, the first time I saw it, I didn't, I was numb but then of course I watched it so many times and I felt every emotion I was shocked I was disgusted I was angry about it I felt like I'd been violated I felt betrayed because this was someone that in my in my mind was really my friend Um, and then you see all of these responses and you know people claiming that I'm playing the victim and people seeing things that absolutely did not happen like heard so many versions of the story where I picked up a knife and I was jabbing at her with a knife I threw a bottle I threw the glass like all before she touched me and like most of that is not true the the truth is yes I did have the glass that I was holding in my hand and after I was pulled down onto the table and being punched in my head Yes, I was swinging the glass because I'm being punched in the top of my head and death gripped by a psychotic person, a crazy person. I'm I'm sorry, like, did you want me to just do nothing? Like, you know, like ball up and cry and let her beat me up? Yeah.
0: And I mean, it's easy for people to say something but like when you are physically, Throw a hands on you. I mean, yeah. I don't know what you're supposed to do.
1: No, I'm I'm supposed to do what I did, and I would do exactly. I would do it exactly the same way if that ever happened again. And if I was if I ever lost my mind and decided to film with someone like her again, it would happen again. I never would. I never will. But if I if I was just completely a crazy psycho, and I did, it would happen again she would do it again.
0: So you have like no regrets about this particular situation, like how you handled it?
1: Well, I mean, I regret that it happened as a whole. I wish that none of it had happened. I wish that I had just walked away from her again. Um, I walked away from her three or four times before this when she was trying to start an argument. And I would, you know, sort of glaze it over with a, you know, I'm sorry, or I apologize that you feel that way. Or I did that multiple times, as you all saw. And I didn't do it this time. I engaged her probably mostly because I had been drinking some wine and I was, you know, kind of in my, in my you know, Candace wine drinking place. Um, but I, yeah, I, I wish every day that I just walked away again. But she, she would have, it would have still happened. She still would have gone to that place. I'm actually glad it happened where it did happen because imagine if we had if she was able to go to portugal which she was not um and it had happened in a foreign country like there you know we're already a spectacle you've got six black women walking around with a crew of 50 we already look like a big red sore thumb so you you know it's like what if it had happened there and who knows who would have called the police and now we're in portuguese jail and it's it could have been it could have been a lot worse which i can't believe i'm saying that but it was inevitable it's that's exactly what she wanted to happen she wanted to fight
0: and think about it i don't know what if this happened for whatever reason off camera like you were that would be do you ever think about that i mean that would be
1: yeah and there, there weren't it took these two large men to pry her off of me if, if they had not been there you know and it had been it was it was just me and like one of my girlfriends or me and if my husband was my husband was there i don't think it would have happened quite like that but what if it were just me and chris and you know it's, you you really you just you don't know you have no idea and that that's the bottom line is that you have a person who is as unpredictable as she is, who will use any and every excuse and, you know, version of a fairy tale fallacy in the book to justify her behavior. I mean, her story changed 15,000 times and with a straight face and no remorse, she's Panhandling these cockamamie stories across the United States, like like people don't have eyes and ears and discernment.
0: Thank you for tuning into our part one sit down with Miss Candice Dillard Bassett. Coming soon, part two, where we get more into the physical altercation, what was going through Candice's mind at the time, what is it like the next morning, the range of emotions that go through your mind, the lawsuit how Bravo handled it Ashley Karen the other women we cover it all guys thanks for tuning into this special part one sit down with Miss Candace Dillard Bassett and part two coming soon thanks for listening to yet another episode of behind the velvet rope because without you listeners I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head and if you like what you hear